Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small, in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the B2B Incubator and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching at the end of May, 2024. Remember, the B2B Incubator, apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand generals, content leads, and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategies that they've created. Some are now even contributing as much as 80% of the pipeline to their business after working through it. Make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the B2B Playbook Podcast. Each week, we discuss strategies and tactics to help B2B businesses grow online. We're your hosts, Kevin and George, a couple of digital marketing professionals. We've waded through the noise and made the mistakes so you don't have to. The B2B world has changed and you need to put your customers at the heart of your marketing. We'll cover how you can use our framework, the five Bs, to create a brand that customers are ready to buy from, love and advocate for. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. Welcome back to the B2B Playbook. Listeners, we are into season four. We've done our intro episode to be better, Kevin. And listeners, be better. It's the fourth B of our five Bs framework. Kevin, what were the first three Bs about? Let's give our listeners a little bit more context. First three Bs, George, were prepping you for ensuring that you deeply understand your dream customers. That's be ready. Then creating content that's helpful to them, which starts to build a relationship of trust with them online. That's be helpful. And the third B was be seen, where we showed you how to amplify that helpful content to the right people and therefore accelerate your growth. And this season, we're covering the fourth B, be better. Be better is all about optimizing your B2B marketing workflow to cement yourself as the expert you set out to become. Very well done, Kev. Well, listeners, in this episode, we're going to start by deep diving into reporting and how to improve this as you scale. Now, we're going to start that by setting the scene on where we are with the reporting discussion so far. All right, now, Kev, when we've previously spoken about reporting, we said that you should really start with what the relevant metrics are in your first 12 months of growth of your helpful content. That was a great episode that we did last season. Actually, no, I believe it was season two, wasn't it, Kevin, in Be Helpful of our 5Bs framework. And we gave people really the quantitative and qualitative data and insights that they need to be looking for to know that their helpful content is working. And by now, listeners, you should really start to have some sort of measure of those and any amplification channels that you are using. 
Your reporting should also be quite clear and really directly measure revenue or whatever it is that your business's bottom line or North Star metrics are. The rest of the information that you're reporting on really should be in a separate section or quite frankly, not in your reporting at all because Kevin, it could confuse our stakeholders. <laughs> it sure can, George. I think we both have a lot of experience of this working agency side. The tendency from what we've seen and unfortunately we were a little guilty of it ourselves sometimes was putting a lot of information and metrics into the reporting that clients really aren't that interested in. And at the end of the day, we'd highlight one or two metrics and a whole sheet of data that they really cared about. And that was all the information they really needed to know at the beginning. Obviously, it's good to be transparent listeners and good to show you're working and good to show all the different signals that you can get from data. But don't confuse the quantity of data that you're showing with the quality of data and insights that you can get from your reporting. Make sure that's easy for different people within your client's business, within your own business, whether your agency or in-house to actually access the information that they need so that your reporting does the job that it's meant to do. It's giving the insights that they really need from that reporting. That's it, Kevin. If you start to report on things that are not core to what that particular person is interested in or what is aligned with their goals, the business's goals, then really what you're offering is distractions, distraction to what really, really matters. And Kev, I think you and I have both been on the receiving end where either a client or uh, someone else has picked up on certain metrics and they're always curious about what these are because we've reported on them. Now, metrics never exist in a silo. They're always part of a much bigger story. And then we have to spend so much time explaining them. And you might explain it to that person and think you did a great job explaining it. But hey, these metrics are not their job. They have a job that they do and they're probably way better than us. Well, they are. They're way better than us at doing that thing than we are. So when they leave that conversation, of course, the context around those metrics, why they are a certain way, that then leaves them. And then they have the same question again the next week, or maybe they're expecting a different result because they're looking at something they're not supposed to be looking at. So listeners, that's why we need to really define the metrics that are important for that particular person that you're reporting to and stick to them. And in a worst case scenario, then you hit the ground of vanity metrics. Um, so that's also something to avoid, bringing back vanity metrics into discussion, George. That's one that we spoke about a fair few episodes in the earlier stages of the framework. And it's important to remind our listeners here that vanity metrics are exactly that. They are vanity. There's things that don't really matter to the bottom line, to revenue, to business objectives, to marketing objectives even. And we should leave them out where we can. We should be quite critical as marketers to hone in on those metrics that matter. That's it, Kev. And unfortunately, those vanity metrics are often the ones that are being measured by a lot of marketers out there. And they're the ones that are focused on by their stakeholders. And they're not the ones that necessarily lead to good business outcomes. And Kev, good business outcomes, that's what we're all about here, isn't it? <laughs> that's it, George. That is what the whole framework is after. Listeners, if you are worried that you're reporting on vanity metrics or you're looking at the wrong metrics, do go back to our earlier episodes where we talk about what metrics you should look at, particularly in your first 12 months of growth with your helpful content. A lot of the context that we give in those earlier episodes gives you a great starting point for where to find the metrics that matter for your business. When in doubt, go back to your business's why, go back to your business objective, go back to why your marketing 
engine exists and they will really lead the way towards the matrix that matter. But that is the context with which we enter reporting in this fourth B, be better. And when we start talking about reporting now in this context, we're really going beyond those foundations. We're not gonna look as much at the grounding at the foundations. We will look at some more specifics, um, particularly in the next episode as well, about how you can take your reporting to the next level and how to automate more of it. Because as you scale, the reporting that you might've set up earlier on in the piece might not be able to hold as much information as you need and might not serve as many purposes as it once did because now you're working with different teams maybe it's a sales team maybe it's a product team who also need insights from the same reporting and that's what we're going to start covering this episode and listeners we're not going to be really diving into uh, reporting platforms specifically you know kevin i want this podcast to be evergreen so we're giving you frameworks and principles to follow so whatever platform is in vogue um, you can take these principles and apply it to that platform, uh, to whatever business it is that you're working in, so you have the right reporting. In that vein, we'll probably start this episode by first discussing not the specifics, but how to approach reporting generally. As we mentioned in earlier episodes, reporting is ultimately only a tool to help you execute the 5Bs framework to upgrade your B2B marketing. It's to facilitate the growth of your marketing operation. It is not the end goal in itself. And that's important to remember. Make sure to always start with your business and your marketing objectives, the why behind your business that you're trying to gauge success against and not improving the reporting itself. You don't need the world's best dashboard. You just need one that works for your business. You should also keep in mind that particularly in B2B marketing, there's a point where investment into reporting and tracking really doesn't pay dividends anymore. At some point, you just won't be able to improve the quality of the data and the insights that you garner from your reports. At this point, it's important to also remember to leverage your qualitative data as well as the quantitative data you're probably looking at. Qualitative data gives you a lot more of that missing context around the quantitative data you have and helps to take the guesswork of that data analysis. But importantly, once you hit that point, sometimes it's important just to be okay with where the data sits and try and do your best with qualitative data insights as well. Wow, Kevin, we have come such a long way from just being pure performance marketers being like, you can track the ROI of every single dollar it is that you spend online. And oh my God, <laughs> uh, as I think we properly got into marketing and understood it more holistically, we realized, you know what? You really can't. And there are so many good reasons as to why you can't. And of course you can't because it's about building relationships, affinity, trust, and it's very, 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 well, it's impossible. It's impossible to know which campaigns resulted in uh, leading to how much trust, which turned into which customers. We can try and track it. We can do our best. We should try and track it. But at the end of the day, Kev, there's probably 50% that we don't know. Listeners, you have to keep in mind that everything we sort of do in the reporting side, it is quite important. And that's what we'll talk about next. But it's maybe only half the picture at best. There's still a lot of things that you don't see Maybe you can get some insights into that half with qualitative data insights, with conversations with your best customers. But at the end of the day, you just have to take it on faith that some things will never be measured and we have to do the best we can with the information available. All right, George, so why is reporting important? All right, folks, quick breather here. 
In my time in B2B marketing, generally I've come to realize that there are just certain tools that can be an absolute game changer. And that's why I'm really excited to talk about Leadfeeder. Uh, it's a tool that helps you cut through the data and turn those website visitors into solid leads and opportunities for your business. Leadfeeder shows you which companies are checking out your site, tracking their behavior, and it integrates all of this with your CRM. And the result is it's basically like a secret weapon for targeted lead engagement, and it really makes it easier for your team to convert website traffic into sales. Head to leadfeeder.com, give it a free demo, and you'll also get a free extended premium trial when you let the rep know that you found out about Leadfeeder through the B2B Playbook podcast. That's leadfeeder.com. Okay, check it out. Back to the show. Well, Kev, I mean, I know we just said we can't track everything, but we don't want to be completely wishy-washy and just throw anything at the wall and see what sticks. We need to have some sense of what is working and what isn't. And reporting is what's going to help tell us that. And once we gather that information and analyze that data, that's where we know where we need to invest more resources if we're going to continue to grow. So it's a way of identifying what's working and doing more of that activity. Yeah, it's just a great indicator for where to go next. And knowing that we don't always have the full picture, it means that we're going to be continually honing that process over time. But that doesn't mean you should disregard reporting altogether. Kev, something that we've touched on a little bit already is reporting is so often the focus of conversations with your bosses. I'm sure that's something that a lot of our listeners can empathize with. And those conversations and the outcomes from those conversations, that usually determines what you can and can't pursue next. So it's really important then to get that reporting right and in a form that's useful and helpful for you to keep going so you have that direction, so you can get your boss, so you can get those stakeholders to buy in on what is working. Uh, If you can't prove that, if you can't show that, if you don't have the right metrics to align on, then you're going to really limit your growth because you're not going to be able to show to them this is working because we invested resources in this, therefore we should do more of that. Yeah, George, it is a fine line uh, with reporting and, and how we present the information and insights we get. You know, the same information can tell you two very different things depending on how you interpret it, how you present it. We've spoken in detail about the metrics that you should look at in the first 12 months of your content strategy. And a lot of that centers around not focusing on ROI straight away, this theme that that will only get you so far and it's probably not going to allow you to grow down the right path uh, ongoing in a sustainable way. So it's a very important one to revisit if it's not fresh in your mind, listeners, as we head into this episode. Um, So that was episode 27. We'll link that in the show notes. But that's a good starting point and it really illustrates, you know, how do we set the scene with our key stakeholders internally before moving further into reporting? George, before we go on as well, um, we also spoke about reporting in another episode in the Be Seen stage two. Um, and we spoke about how some of the metrics you look at really changes and, and the reporting and your reporting requirements changes as well as your business scales and you start to add paid channels and amplification into your business. So listeners, uh, check out episode 44 as well. We'll also link that one. Um, But they, again, give you the context of as you go through the first couple of stages of the framework where your reporting should go and how it should grow. But just remember to keep in mind that all this changes is contingent on the fact that over time, 
the focus of conversations with your bosses is still going to be what do the numbers tell us? How does the reporting look in terms of how we're tracking towards success within the business? And that will change over time as the business grows. So make sure to tailor your reporting accordingly. And that's really important to keep in mind as to why reporting is important. That's right, Kev. I mean, look, your CEO, at the end of the day, they care about revenue. Are we doing better as a company or are we not? And how is marketing helping us do that? So it's kind of a lot more simple from their point of view. Uh, you know, if you're a CMO, marketing manager, they're probably more interested in breaking down the marketing function going, okay, how much are we investing in capturing demand? How much are we investing in creating demand? And how is that all going for us? How are the indicators, the leading indicators of success going? What about the lagging indicators? Are we influencing pipeline? Uh, can we see that we're actually helping to drive revenue? Are the deals that sales are getting closing better? Are more opportunities being won because we're helping educate the market more? So depending on the level that you're at, there's going to be different reporting requirements. Finally, George, I think it's important for our listeners to understand that treating reporting as a simple link and connection to other functions of business is also quite important. For example, the connection to sales and product teams is quite clear and obviously will help cross-functional discussions if everyone agrees on the data that you're looking at, both in terms of the insights you get and the limitations that the reporting and data can give you. But it has additional benefits of allowing work to be focused across cross-functional teams so that everyone is aligned across different business functions where there's a lot of impact from that alignment. Kev, I mean, you being in-house, you must experience that quite a lot. I mean, I don't have to work cross-functionally anywhere near as much as you do. Uh, have you got an example for us there? Yeah, definitely, George. One example I can give you from a previous experience is that if you've adapted some of your reporting of on-page engagement and behavior and then lead into that establishing a CRO practice, something we'll discuss in detail later this season, then naturally that starts a discussion with the product team and maybe the website team, if you have one that's separate, around how to improve online experiences of users to better usher them through the buying journey. So that way you can work quite closely with the product team to improve the onboarding experience, to improve retention, and also to help you then have better data to find more customers that are in the mold of your best customers. So listeners, if your reporting is then aligned to a CRO practice and to metrics that the product team and the website team understand, then you can work in conjunction with them to improve and iterate on the buying journey as a whole, where things that you're doing on the marketing side has a clean handoff to the product experience. And that's just one example of how you can use reporting to align with different teams and to start a discussion and to work in the same vein so that all ships are sailing in the same direction. Ah, Kev, I can tell you love reporting so much. It just looks so calming and soothing to you <laughs> as you're talking about it. Oh, well, George, I think you know, a good report uh, goes a long way you know, beyond communicating data and insights very succinctly. Uh, it does have a lot of impact and is a real point of connection between different teams within a business. Particularly as we get more and more remote, you know, we need these connection points to be on the same page and to save a lot of time. When the reporting is done well, the teams lose a lot less time in communicating with each other and a lot more time in working on the product, on the services that matter to the business. 
That's true, Kev. I mean, I know so many of our listeners, they still spend a lot of their time through no fault of their own doing a lot of sales enablement work. And ultimately, that means a lot of their reporting is like activity reports. So they're just reporting on, you know, how many things they got done in that last month or the last quarter. And this is a terrific opportunity to realign with your stakeholders and what really matters. And hopefully, hopefully free up a bit of time at your end marketers to then work towards those things once you have their buy-in. Well, George and listeners, unfortunately, we've actually ended up spending most of this episode talking about why reporting is important and reminding you of the context with which we're approaching reporting in this optimization stage, in this be better stage of the framework. But it is important groundwork to lay again and to add to as we start to look at reporting in this context. In the coming episode, we're going to discuss in a lot more detail the specifics about how to optimize that reporting for the new stage. We talked about this idea of incorporating more uses, more teams, and sharing more points with other teams, but always coming back to this idea that it's important to know the why and to be focused on the business objectives. So stay tuned for that next week. But quick summaries of the key takeaways for this episode. Remember that reporting is ultimately a tool to help you execute the 5Bs framework and your B2B marketing. It's not the goal itself, so don't kill yourself over making the perfect report every time. Good reporting helps you drive in the right direction and to have those conversations with your bosses and other teams. So make sure to focus on business objectives when you start to refine your reporting over time as your business scales. This is what your bosses care about and is what you should focus on as well. And also use reporting as a great tool to start working on cross-functional projects that will have a bigger impact now that your marketing practice is more mature and the business is more mature. There's a lot of opportunities for that cross-functional synergy and it's very hard to find that common ground to start with without a good reporting base. Beautiful. Thank you, Kev. Listeners, you can find links to everything we discussed in the show notes. And next week, we're going to discuss what you probably wish we discussed today. But, you know, Kevin and I, insist every time on doing the boring principles first. But next week, we're going to continue the discussion of reporting uh, with some common concepts, metrics, and tools to look out for as you optimize your reporting. So we'll probably be a little bit more practical next week. Listeners, we're so grateful that each week more and more marketers tune in every Monday. And if we can ask one thing, it would be to please recommend us to someone who you think would benefit from the podcast or you know what? You could even just leave us a review on your favorite platform. Um, It's an amazing help to us and we'd really, really appreciate it. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Kevin. Take care and see you next week. Thank you, George. Thank you, listeners. See you next week. A quick note before you go, listeners, you can find more great content and get in touch with us at theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips and resources from our playbook. We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer.